0: You are listening to the Lumen Christi Institute podcast. Now in its 20th year, the Lumen Christi Institute enriches academic communities at the University of Chicago and across the nation with the wisdom of the Catholic intellectual and spiritual tradition. Today's interview is with Father Kevin Flannery a Jesuit priest and professor of the history of ancient philosophy at the Gregorian University in Rome. We sat down with Father Kevin in the Gavin House Library to discuss his journey to the Society of Jesus, his studies at Oxford, and his forthcoming book, On Cooperation with Evil, due this fall from the Catholic University of America Press.
1: Welcome to the Lumen Christi Institute podcast. I'm Michael Bradley. I'm the Institute's Communications and Events Coordinator. And together with my colleague, Mark Franzen, our Programs Coordinator, I'm very pleased to be joined this morning by Father Kevin Flannery S.J. Father Kevin, since 1992, has been a professor of the history of ancient philosophy at the Gregorian University in Rome, where he also served as the Dean of Philosophy for many years. I had the opportunity to get to know Father Kevin better a few years ago when I had the, the wonderful blessing of studying with him in Rome for about 10 days on some of his work, about which we will speak more soon. So, Father, welcome. Thanks for being here today.
2: Oh, well, I'm very glad to be here.
1: Why don't we begin by having you tell us about your own vocational journey? You're a priest in the Society of Jesus. I know that you grew up, you're a Midwestern guy, uh, you're a Cleveland sports fan. I know you were raised in Cleveland, I think so. Tell us about your upbringing. Did you encounter Jesuits who were very formative in influencing your own discernment toward the society? How is it that you came to be drawn to the priesthood? Where did you go in the course of your studies and formation for the priesthood, and so on?
2: Sure. I suppose you know, you know part of anyone's vocation is their sure. family background, and, and and my own family was was very Catholic, very Catholic family, very in a way. Irish Catholic, my father was from Ireland, and, and uh, so that, that influenced me a great deal, in, and especially serving at Mass, etc. Uh, I remember as a, as a child, really, I must have been nine or ten years old, I did think about becoming a priest. I remember that distinctly, and I think it had to do with serving at Mass, and, and, uh, but uh, it was quite some time before I decided to enter the Society of Jesus. And uh, well, so anyhow, as, as you mentioned, I, I'm from Cleveland, the east side of Cleveland, and uh, um, my parents, you know, asked suggested you know uh, that I uh, go to St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, uh, which is obviously the Jesuit high school and and that was on the west side, however, so it was kind of it was kind of unusual for someone on the east side to go all the way to the west side to, to go to Ignatius and and uh, but that was my first encounter with the Society of Jesus. From Ignatius, I I went to Xavier University again, so it's again a, a Jesuit university. But those were very strange times. And so I, I started at uh, Xavier in 1968 and was there for, for two years. And so that was the t- time of the you know, anti-Vietnam War protest and which in which I was somewhat involved, actually. My politics were a bit different then. and so anyhow, after two years, I left Xavier, or in fact, I went out with some friends of mine to California and, uh, and disliked California very much, especially especially Los Angeles, and, and, uh, and so came back to um, Ohio, but I didn't have the money to go back to Xavier because I had been working during the summer to pay for my time at Xavier, so, so I, I, fin- I ended up at uh, Ohio State instead of uh, Xavier. And which was a great blessing for me because I made many friends that are still friends today. There and uh, and uh, after that, I I did a master's in Ireland. So as I said, you know, I was brought up, uh, or at least I suggested that I was brought up uh, thinking that anything Irish was good, and and so I wanted to spend some time in Ireland. So I did a, a master's degree in in. In Anglo Irish Studies, as it was called, at the University College in Dublin. After which, I came back and worked as a journalist for for um, a couple years.
1: Daily Beat, or did you have a particular section that you would cover?
2: Well, you know, I, I worked for a, a local newspaper uh, just north of Columbus, in Dublin, Ohio, actually, and, and uh, where there's a famous you now golf course, and and and, uh, and and I liked it very much. First of all, you know, just getting to know the, the local people and, and reporting. In fact, I did everything. I was editor in chief, reporter, and delivery boy almost. <laughs> and so, and really, I, I enjoyed it very much. And and I could see, I, I had this feeling that the the time was was passing, and very quickly, and that I could have stayed in that profession for for a long time. And and yet, it wasn't it wasn't what I really wanted to do. So that that was part of it. And. Uh, there's also a young woman involved and for various reasons that didn't work out and but anyhow eventually I again you know returned kind of the idea of becoming a priest and but at that point uh, it was simply a question of becoming a Jesuit I, I must say that maybe this is not uh, an admirable thing but my idea right from the beginning was to become a Jesuit and and it wasn't to become a priest you know just I want to become a Jesuit and and I think a lot of that had to do with with things I was reading at the time, and, uh, such as, well, there were two two books, one, one or two or three. One author was was a Jesuit by the name of William Lynch, who wrote uh, a book uh, entitled *Christ and Apollo*, and uh, and another one called *Images of Hope*. And and he he was very interested in literature, as was I at the time, because my degrees had been in uh, at that point, you know, in in English literature. And uh, and the other was believe it or not, was Gary Wills, uh, who, who, yeah, I mean, he was a, he's a former, he was a Jesuit for a while, and, and quite frankly, I just admired his writing style, and uh, and I just thought he was smart, and, and, and in fact, that's the same reason why, you know, I was kind of attracted to, um, to William Lynch, you know, they just seemed smart, and in a way, you know, we had a conversation last night about just, you know, that that desire just uh, to know more, even academically. And we share that, I think. And that was a strong motivation for me at that time. And actually, I don't think it's... Eventually, I learned that that's not the best thing to motivate one's priestly vocation. And, and uh, so eventually, I had to become, you know, kind of almost purifying myself of that as- aspect, be sure that, you know, God was calling me to be a priest. It's also the case that I mean, my whole life has been spent in academic life, so so uh, so that was part of it. But it's maybe it wasn't the you know kind of the purest part of the, of the call to to the priesthood to the Jesuit priesthood. So anyhow, eventually, you know, I entered. So that was uh, 1977. So I did two years novitiate where I met Paul Mankowski. You know, our friend Paul Mankowski. So he was one year ahead of me in in novitiate and and he hasn't changed much since you know. <laughs> sitting the that example all the way <laughs> right yeah, right from the beginning and uh, and actually immediately after novitiate, Paul had been sent to Oxford to do a degree and but he was ahead of me and then the, the society sent me afterwards and i think in, in many ways to accompany Paul and to have two two Americans in the same house so that was for my philosophy you know in, in the society we and as do priests, you know we we study philosophy first and then we go on later and do theology. And then, you know, often we go on to do a a doctorate, or at least some people do. So I went to to Oxford to study philosophy, do an undergraduate degree in in philosophy. And from there, after that, I taught for a year, just a year, what we call regency, you know, kind of a year of practical, you know, work uh, as a a Jesuit. And I taught at, uh, at Loyola in Chicago, even though at that point I didn't have a have a doctorate. They kind of regarded the the degree from Oxford as as, you know, evidence that I could at least teach, which was maybe a mistake. I'm not sure. So after that theology, and again I was was together with Father Mankowski for for theology. I was ordained in 1987, and a year after that, after another year's study, I started my doctorate again at Oxford. So I went back to Oxford and did a did a fill. and that. At that point, I was I was very interested in 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 Aristotle, especially Aristotle and logic. So I ended up writing my dissertation on on an ancient uh, logician, or actually, it was a, a commentator on on Aristotle's logic, the, um, Alexander of Aphrodisias. So, and
1: you turned that dissertation into your first book. Is that correct?
2: That's right. Yeah, it it, it came out as a book, almost pretty much unchanged from the. What it was as as the dissertation, yeah.
1: and more or less immediately after completing the DPhil, you were assigned to teach at the Greg in 1992.
2: Yeah, in fact, in fact, I was there even before I defended the dissertation. So, so I taught for a while and then went back to defend the dissertation. Yeah.
1: And so there at the Greg, you you teach courses on ancient thought, ancient philosophy, and its reception, including the Christian tradition. You've mentioned that you've directed dissertations, many dissertations on the thought of Thomas Aquinas, uh,
2: as well as on the ancient figures themselves. That's right, yeah. My main job I mean, as, you know, kind of the professor of the history of ancient philosophy is to teach the basic course in our basic program at the BA on the history of ancient philosophy. So that's, and I concentrate on, on Aristotle and Plato, and a bit on the pre-Socratics and, and people that come afterwards, and uh, I mean, you know, the Gregorian University is a pontifical university. and, and obviously Catholic and and Jesuit, and and, uh, so there's a great deal of interest in in Thomas Aquinas. And and so I think probably in terms of directing doctorates and also what we call license, uh, Ticinas we call them, you know, kind of small theses, I've probably done more of those on Thomas Aquinas than Aristotle. I must say that, that, that I always, uh, I tend to interpret Thomas Aquinas himself in terms of Aristotle.
1: You did your dissertation on an ancient logician and yet you're directing dissertations and doctorates on the thought of Aquinas. Did you at some point early in your academic career come to focus on Aquinas more centrally than you had or was he all along kind of guiding interest for you such that you're equipped to be directing
2: these, these projects? Yeah, that's interesting, yeah, that's an interesting question. In fact, just yesterday I was talking to with Father Mankowski about my first encounter with Thomas Aquinas. And it was actually, strangely enough, it was, and this was even before I entered the society, and reading Dante, and I used a reading the Divine Comedy, I used a commentary, a very, still I have it in, next to my bed actually, you know, kind of this, a commentary by C.S. Singleton. So it gives you the um, the, the text in one volume, and then, accompanying each you know part of the poem there's a, um, a commentary by singleton and the commentary is just um, it, it's almost just thomas aquinas you know and so he just goes line for line through through the work and, and gives you the text of, of thomas aquinas you know how or how, how dante actually was using thomas in this particular thing and that just fascinated fascinated me really and i loved it really yeah.
1: it was the perfect fusion of your interests in literature and uh, yeah yeah exactly
2: yeah actually you know what what Eventually, I realized in English, you know, studying English is that I was always doing philosophy anyhow. I was, I was always trying to analyze the text and and you know, figure it out, uh, but philosophically. And I didn't. And and eventually, I realized, that, you know, um, really, want I, what I want to do is is philosophy. And
1: uh, you were here at at the University of Chicago a handful of years ago to give a lecture on the cool, calm, capacious. Maybe there were a few other alliterative adjectives there. Mind of Saint Thomas Aquinas. What is it you mean when you refer to the cool, calm, capacious
2: mind of Thomas Aquinas? It's been a long time since I, I delivered that talk. I, it, but, you know, I, I, I'm of the same opinion. And uh, the argument was basically that his knowledge of philosophy and scripture, theology, was just so vast and so precise that, that he could speak with calmness, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't worried, you know, about uh, not knowing something, you know, and and uh, and and it, it was just, you know, you could obviously, you know, you could just recall these things. Actually, sometimes it's a problem in, in Thomas Aquinas. You, you you see that that he is recalling something from memory, and and occasionally there'll be a word which doesn't correspond exactly to the or you know word or two that doesn't correspond to the original, but uh, but you see, you know, he, I mean, he's just. He just knew this stuff, and and uh, and just so just the the vastness of his knowledge instills confidence in what he's saying, and uh, and that was that was the argument, right?
1: Am I right in remembering that at one point in the lecture you said that Aquinas himself wrote maybe to a friend during his own life that he had never read a text that he didn't understand?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, did I? Say which that? is really yeah. remarkable. Yeah. That's yeah, something exactly. with yeah. which
1: I'm not at all sympathetic. Yeah, or, I think most of us aren't. Yeah, but no, it, it's no, just no, I, remarkable yeah, the kind of grasp that he had. His ability to encounter different genres of thought and, and just penetrate them and understand them well. Tell us about your current research projects. You're directing these, do- these doctoral dissertations on ancient and also on medieval thought. What have you been working on in the past handful of years? Article projects or focuses, book
2: projects? Yeah, well, eventually I did do a couple books after, after the dissertation and there were, one was explicitly on Thomas Aquinas' his ethics, and, and another one was more Aristotelian. Aristotle interpreted in, time, in terms of Thomas Aquinas, and it's, it's, it goes both ways. And, uh, but lately, I've been working on a, a book which is due September 29th, so I have to get this, a, a book on, the title, which we've just settled just recently, a couple of weeks ago, is Cooperation with Evil, a optimistic approach. The reason why I got into that has to do partially with my work for the Vatican. I do work for the Vatican, and and, uh, and that's a very important issue, you know, kind of, you know, what constitutes immoral cooperation with someone else who's doing the evil. So it, it comes into questions having to do with uh, hospital mergers, you know, can a Catholic hospital Merge with a non-Catholic entity, you know, a, you know, a consortium, for instance, and uh, and it comes into other issues like paying for insurance for abortifacients or contraceptives and things like that. So I decided that it's been some years ago that you know I decided well I, you know I really want to um, understand this because my impression was that even good Catholics didn't really understand in a very precise way how to. Distinguish moral from immoral cooperation, and uh, I'm not saying that even I can do that now. But uh, and uh, but that's why that was my motivation originally, and uh, so the book is is about that, and uh, it starts out by talking quite a bit about Saint Alphonsus Ligouri, and
1: uh, an eminent doctor of the Church, uh, Doctor of the Church,
2: the patron of moral theology, basically, and but I do criticize him, and uh, but not. In a way, what I what I do is is criticize the tradition within which he stood, and I talk a, a good, you know a good deal about the distinction which was you know constantly invoked between uh, formal and material cooperation, and you know just exactly what that what that meant, and and uh, and there are some you know some incoherencies in what he says, and incoherencies in some of the people that he relies upon. So so I I go into that, you know, kind of the, the number of the people that he he relies upon. A lot of it has to do with uh his and their understanding of intention, that is what it means, you know, when when people talk about formal cooperation and evil, it also, it it often has to do with, you know, kind of one's intending to do the same thing as the the main malefactor and and uh, so in the book, I use Elizabeth Anscombe quite a bit, or at least you know I, I mention her at the very beginning as helping me to understand intention. She has a famous book on, which is called Intention. The, the title is Intention. In fact, Anscombe herself criticizes Alphonsus, and she criticizes that tradition within which he stood as, as presupposing what she refers to as a um, Cartesian Understanding of the will, which is um, an intention. And uh, so I find her convincing. I've been at uh, Notre Dame this summer, and in fact, you know, just by chance, my, my office is uh, next to Alistair McIntyre's office, and and he, he has opinions. Many opinions on many things, and and uh, yes, but uh, uh, we've talked a good deal about about how he understands Anscombe, and and uh, and he has you know the greatest respect for Anscombe. But but actually, in conversation with with him, I realize that there are even some things, at least that, that I would like to you know just uh, finesse in in what Anscombe says, and, and and moving a bit in the direction that Alistair McIntyre has gone, and so. So yeah, that's that's another thing that informs the book. But but eventually I get into Thomas Aquinas and 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 say that well, you know we have again because you know we've got this this calm capacious mind of Thomas Aquinas that uh, you know the argument is that yeah you know, he helps us to to understand these things. And uh, um, but it's not really it's I I want to insist it's not in, absolutely incompatible with with what Alphonsus says. And 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 in in, in fact many of the the conclusions would be identical to his, and but it's just obviously Thomas Aquinas was a better philosopher than than Alphonsus, and that's what it is. So.
1: Well, we look forward to seeing this book. It'll, it'll be out this coming academic year, or it, it yeah, submitted it September. It'll go to press sometime in early 2019.
2: Yeah, that's a good question because it's going to be. It'll be published by Catholic University of America Press, and the acquisitions editor there, John Martinos, said that he wanted it at that point because he wanted to get it out before the or for the meeting of the American Catholic Philosophical Association which is only in November but I'm not sure that just seems to me in, implausible that they could do it and, and uh so maybe maybe he wants to at least be able to you know so I I know sometimes they they'll, they'll sell the book but you know not the physical book but you know you know, you pay your money, and and it'll be sent to you, or something like that. But right, uh, right. So yeah, but that's. But it, it's clear to me that that they want to get it out pretty soon. So, yeah.
1: and a final important question is: How do you feel as a Cleveland sports fan <laughs> these days?
2: Well, that's. Um, I'm very confident, yeah, and uh, it's, uh calm uh, and capacious. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's hard. You know, in baseball, it's hard to remain calm. You know, and uh, but the. Uh, but the tribe's doing well, and and they just they've acquired a couple good good relief pitchers, and uh, Andrew Miller should be back soon, and uh, things are looking good. Yeah. So.
1: Father Kevin Flannery, S.J., professor of the history of ancient philosophy at the Gregorian University, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you,
2: Michael. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Lumen Christi Institute podcast. To access more resources, please visit our website and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The music for this episode, Sequence for St. Hilarion, is recorded by the Lumen Christi Institute Artists in Residence, Scola Antiqua of Chicago, on their CD, West Meets East, Sacred Music from the Torino Codex.